welcome to 5% Radio, where it's all about learning like no one else today so you can live like no one else tomorrow. Please be sure to share and subscribe. Hello and welcome back to the 5% Radio podcast. Today is episode number 32, and I'd like to talk to you about knowing your worth on the journey. There's a story that was told at one point, uh, actually I believe it was in a book by a man named Russell Conwell, he wrote a book called Acres of Diamonds, and he he tells this story that really illustrates this point that I want to talk about very, very, very well. There was a man who had a burning desire to be wealthy. He wanted to have material wealth, money, all the things that come with that, beautiful property, and you know, and so he actually ended up traveling the world. He traveled all over the place trying to find what he thought would bring him wealth. He's trying to find gold. He's trying to find a mine with this. And he's he's trying to find diamonds. He's doing everything that he can to become wealthy. And he ends up passing away. He never achieved what he wanted. And the place that he lived, that he had left to find all of what he wanted, the place that he had ended up leaving his farm was sold when he died. And on that farm was found one of the richest diamond mines in the world, definitely in his part of the country, but he had literally been sitting on acres of diamonds. There's actually a book by Russell Conwell called Acres of Diamonds. It's an older book, and he tells a story similar to the one I just told. But the point is this this guy had looked for in all these other places what he was trying to find because he didn't realize that what he already had was worth a lot. It was already extremely valuable. So he went looking in all these other places and he was trying to find something that he already possessed. And here's why this is important, because along your journey, along the path that you will personally take, the adventure that you have to go through to achieve your goals and dreams. And I I don't say that in a corny way whatsoever. I don't say that tongue in cheek, like all your dreams, like along the way for you to go from where you are now to where you truly want to be in life, the picture that you have of yourself. And I, I don't believe personally that there's anything wrong with chasing an ideal. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Some of you will will chase an ideal in one direction, and you may realize, you know what, the person I became on that journey helped me so much, but I actually, I don't want to go that direction anymore. Maybe you achieve it, maybe you realize it's not what you thought it was, and you go in another direction, but the journey that you will take, the person that you will become along the way, the character that will be built through those struggles will produce something in you that absolutely no one can take away, but it's important that you know along your journey, the times that you feel like you are under the cover of darkness, so to speak. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that no one knows that I have to do this thing along the way. The times that you feel foolish, the times that you're thinking, what the heck am I doing here in this situation? I've got so much potential. I've got so many just big, big goals, big hopes, big dreams. I've, I'm, I'm already so talented. I have so much ability. I have the skills that it takes to do more than what I'm doing now. What am I doing here along the way? The things you'll have to go through can make you question your worth because you'll be doing things that you think, man, there is no possible way that someone who is going to get to where I want to get to would be doing this. And that's simply just not the case. See, there, there was a story of a man, and I, I briefly mentioned this in the past before on the show, but there was a story of a man named Joshua Bell. It's a true story. You can go on YouTube and look up Joshua Bell Subway Experiment, and this will pull up. But there's a story of a man. He is a world-famous violinist. He's been getting, uh, you know, classically trained, tons of lessons, very expensive. His parents have invested a lot of money. He's playing with a million-dollar-plus Stradivarius. And these two reporters somehow convinced Joshua Bell, the greatest American violinist of this era, they convinced him to go down into the subway systems of Washington 
to play violin there just to see how people would respond to him in the subways. Now, he's sold out $180 plus tickets at the time. He's sold out events over and over. He's sold out venues over and over and over when he comes into play because people know who he is because they're looking for him because they're already interested in that area. They already enjoy classical music. They have an appreciation for someone who has his talents. They know his worth. And so he's able to sell out these huge venues. He's able to sell out for a, for quite a bit of money, $180 a ticket to hear a guy sit down and play the violin because he's that good. He's world class. He's a master at what he does. And so he's had a lot of success. But these two reporters say, you know what? He might be great at what he does, but I wonder what would happen if we took him into the Washington subway systems and we had him play there. What what would happen to this man? The same talent, same million dollar plus Stradivarius, same lessons that he had for his whole life, same fame, same quality, same everything. We're going to take the same guy and just see how people react to him in the subway. See if they respond at all to what he's doing. And he played for 30 minutes on the subway. And after 30 minutes on the subway, he had made $27. Keep in mind, people pay $180 a ticket at the time of this experiment per event, just to, just just for me to get one seat. So if me and my wife both went at the time of that video being made when they did the study, that would have been $360 for one evening to hear him play for a couple hours. One night, $360 he would have made just for my wife and I being there. And he's in the subway for 30 minutes. And just in 30 minutes, he collects $27. And 20 of that was because someone recognized him. So really, he, he collected $7 for playing in the subway. And they interviewed him afterwards and they said, what were you thinking? And, and he was he was thinking this, what's wrong with me? How come these people don't see what I'm doing? Like, why, why don't they appreciate the quality of what I'm doing? I'm playing just like I play when I sell out a venue at 180 bucks a pop per seat. I'm playing the same exact stuff and people aren't realizing what I'm doing. They're just passing me by as if my ability, as if my talent, as if all of the hard work that I put in, this, this special skill set that I've developed, my potential that others can see, they're passing me by as if it doesn't matter, as if I'm just another random person, just a, a person groveling and begging for a couple cents playing the violin. But you see, the reality is that he was still Joshua Bell, still the same level of talent, still the same potential, still the same kid whose parents invested hundreds and thousands and tens of thousands and probably hundreds of thousands of dollars getting him the best teachers, having him go to the best schools, the best programs, getting high dollar lessons, all of this extra stuff, getting an extremely, extremely expensive, the best of the best, the best that money can buy, everything they did, the million dollar plus Stradivarius, all the time, talent and attention that went into this young man, Joshua Bell, the fact that he could sell out venues and the people on the subway because of where he was at the time, they did not recognize, realize, or even really care about the worth of his gift. But if, if some famous trainer, some world-class musician, someone else who knew what it took to be that good. See, when I played piano, I would hear some people play piano and people would be like, oh, wow, like they're so good, blah, blah, blah. And I would know because I spent, I don't know how many thousand hours at the piano practicing, playing every single day. My, my first dream as a child was to be a concert pianist. I found out there's no money in it and I would pretty much have to move countries and practice four to six hours a day. And I'm like, you know what? Okay. If there's really no money in it and it's hard to, it's extremely hard to make it, meaning like people don't even really care about it in America, then that's, that's probably not what I want to do. But as a child, and I'm going to come back and make a point, but as a little kid, 
My dream was to be a concert pianist. That was what I dreamt of. I would sit down at the piano and I would play every song that I knew by memory. And if I messed up a song, I would start over. So I would try to play every single song that I knew perfectly every day. And then I would get to have fun after that. And I would do my scales and all this other stuff. And and I took time and I practiced and practiced and practiced and practiced and practiced. And when I would sit down at the piano and play, and then I would see someone else play, I knew who was extremely talented, who had put in hundreds or thousands of hours of practice. I knew who was really good. And I could tell who other people thought like, oh, they're so talented, but really they weren't that good. And I'm not saying that to be rude, but I had put in the time to know the difference between this person truly has a high level of ability that they have taken time to develop. They have practiced, they have put in the hours, they have put in the time, the blood, sweat, tears. By the way, you can sweat profusely playing piano. You can end up getting cramps. Your forearms can kill you. Your hands can kill you. Your brain hurts like I cannot even imagine, can't even explain to you from sitting down and reading music for 30 minutes to an hour and practicing over and over deliberate practice where you're right at the potential, like right at the edge of your potential. I can just barely do this. I'm failing and failing and then I get it and then I fail and fail and then I get it and then I get it and then I get it and then I I fail some more and then I, I get it and I could tell who was really, really, really good and who was just like other people looked at like, oh yeah, they're so talented. And Joshua Bell, I tell you that because Joshua Bell, had he been passed by someone in the subway that understood his giftings, his worth, the time that he had put in and they realized, oh my gosh, like this guy is world class at what he does. His worth did not change, but the perception of his worth based on the people he was around and the things that he was doing and his circumstance, his location, all of that misconstrued the fact that he was indeed still Joshua Bell. He was playing in the subway, but he had the ability to play in the Metropolitan. He was playing for $27 for a half an hour, a bunch of people passing him by that did not care or even try to take the time to notice that he had amazing gifts, incredible talents, but that's the same guy that people are willing to pay happily $180 a ticket for per seat to sit down and do nothing but hear him play for hours. Same level of talent, different place, different location. People did not understand his value. So you have to know your worth on the journey because some of you right now are in professions, you're in jobs, you're in careers, you own businesses, you're doing incredible, amazing Joshua Bell-like performances. You're doing something amazing, but you're in the subway and you're wondering, why Why do people not notice the ability that I have? Why are they not noticing how great of a job I'm doing? Why are they treating me like I'm everybody else? Why are they not recognizing that I am, I'm crushing it at what I'm doing? I'm not, I'm giving my heart and soul to this. I'm truly, I'm doing my best at what I'm doing right now. And nobody's paying attention. The heck's going on? What's, what's wrong with me? And this is what began to go through his head after 30 minutes on the subway because he was being ignored because people just passed him by as if it was nothing. And some of you at your job, you feel like they just think that I'm like everyone else. I've got all these dreams, all these goals. I put in so much work. I I go the extra mile. I do what everyone else does and just a little bit more. I, I, I'm not saying that you have to take work home with you, but like, I'm, I'm willing to do more. I'm more diligent. I take my job. I take my career. I take my business more seriously. I do such great work. I have so much in me just waiting to come out. If someone would recognize my talents and abilities, man, where I could go with this, I don't even know. But but I know that I'm doing more than most people. I know that I'm more gifted in these areas, more talented. I know that I've put in more work, that I've actually developed my skills more than most people are willing to. And yet I'm still getting treated like everybody else. I still feel like I'm worthless because what I'm doing right now is determining 
what I feel I'm worth. And understand this. Whatever you currently do for a living, I don't care if you are self-employed, if you work a job, if you're a professional in corporate America, if you're someone who went to school, got a four-year degree, got a master's degree, whatever it is, if you're a nurse, doctor, I, I don't care what you do. But regardless of what you do, your job will only pay what the job is worth. They don't pay you based on what you're worth. They don't pay based on what you're worth. They don't pay based on the fact that, man, this guy could definitely do more. He's definitely the best, fill in the blank, whatever you do. He's the best we've ever had, we've ever seen. Like, But if the job caps out at $38 an hour, I don't care how good you are, what potential you have, what goals, what dreams you have. If it caps out at $38 an hour, you may be worth $3 million a year with your current abilities. But if you work a job that is only worth $38 an hour to your employer, if you have a self-employed business and your clients, your customers are only willing to pay a certain amount for your service, no matter how great and exceptional your service is. You know, people say, all you've got to do is build a better mousetrap and they'll, you know, they'll beat a path to your door. They'll be beating down your door. It's, it's simply not true. If mousetraps are selling for, I don't know, $2.79 and I build a better mousetrap, I might be able to sell the thing for four bucks, maybe, but it's a commodity. There are a dime a dozen. There's a million other options. Why would I buy yours? What makes you so special? Because the field that you're in will only pay a certain amount. And that's why people get frustrated. Another another example of this, um, so I, I've, I've told this before, and I'm going to tell my full story on the podcast, but I've, I've had over two dozen different occupations, like as in over 24, over 25 different occupations. Um, I've done straight commission sales. I've worked in factories, worked in warehouses. I've done salary management. I've done uh, direct sales. I've, I've done um, not door-to-door sales, but, uh, you know, like I've, I've sold table knives. I've, I've worked at a tree service. I've done roofing. I've, I've done all of these different things in the past before I really got into the self-employed world and then getting into the, the B-type episodes four and five, the, the business owner really building passive income. Before I began that journey, I did all kinds of things, personal trainer, I was a CrossFit coach, like anything and everything coached weight loss that you can imagine. I, I have probably, if it did not require, here's what I tell people. If it doesn't require a degree, I've probably done it, tried it, or applied to do it. Like, I've, I've, I've done a lot of different stuff. But a lot of those things, I felt frustrated, and I would move on from job to job to job to job to job because I was confused. I'm like, why aren't they seeing what I'm doing? Why am I getting paid the same as everyone else? Because I'm willing to work harder. I was only going to get paid what the job is worth. So don't let that mess with your head and say, well, you know, I, I, I must not be as good as I thought, or I must not have as much worth as I thought, or blah, 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 because Joshua Bell was still Joshua Bell, despite the fact that he was playing in the subway and only collected $7 outside of the person recognizing who he was and understanding the talent that he already possessed. So understand that. Don't don't go out looking for something. Well, I, I've got to go somewhere else to find what I need because I must not have it. And then you die and you have acres of diamonds in your property. Don't don't be Joshua Bell after 30 minutes on the subway and some of you have spent 5, 10, 15, 20, 30, 40 years in the subway. Some of you have spent your entire lives in a job wondering what's wrong with me. I feel like I could have done more. Why don't these people see because they don't see that must mean it's not there. You've spent however many years on the journey and just know this after 30 minutes in the subway even though he was world famous, even though he knew that he was playing with a million dollar plus Stradivarius, even though he knew all the lessons, all the work that he had put in, even though he was probably going to play a concert just days from that event and sell the place out and make, I don't even know how much money, even though all of that was still the case and he had 
evidence that he was as good as he is. Even all that being said, it's still messed with his head. So what do you think it's done to you for 5, 10, 15, 20, 30, 40 years of being in the subway, so to speak, somewhere that does not really understand your worth? It can mess with your head. Understand that you've got to know your worth on the journey. And then lastly, I want to share this with you. There was a a gal who had just graduated high school and her dad gave her a car. It was her first car and he he uh, he gave it to her and he said, honey, you know, I, I got this car for you. But first, before you actually start, you know, driving the car as your daily driver, I want you to go to this, uh, you know, this, this junkyard and ask him, hey, what's the car worth? Because it was a little bit older of a vehicle. Dad gave it to her. And so she's like, all right. So she goes, she drives it over to the junkyard and she asks the guy, hey, what would you give me for this car? And the guy's like, you know, a couple hundred bucks, like $500, whatever. Not a whole lot of money. She goes back to her dad and she's like, daddy offered me 500 bucks. Like this thing must be, this thing must, you know, I appreciate it. Like, th- thank you for buying me a car. I love you, dad. Like you're, you're the best, but it must be a piece of junk, 500 bucks. Like, yeah. and he's like, okay, um, but I want you to go to a car lot now. So you went to the junkyard, you heard that guy's opinion of what the vehicle was worth. Go to a car lot now, ask them what it's worth. She goes to the car lot and because they're not looking to junk it, they're going to resell it. There's some money to be made there. They're like, well, you know, we give you, you know, one, two, maybe $3,000, not, not a whole lot, but like we would give you something for the car. Like it's not worth less, but it's not worth like all that much, you know, so maybe three grand. So she goes back home. She tells dad, people at the car lot told me that they would give me, you know, maybe up to $3,000. What do you think of that? And he's like, you know, that's great, but I want you to do one more thing. Do me a favor, go down to the car club down the road and see what they would offer you. She goes to the car club. She comes back and she says, Dad, some people at the car club offered me up to or over $100,000 for the car because it's a rare car, because they knew what it was, because they were well-versed in that field. They had spent time in that field. They, they knew exactly what to look for when it came to quality, when it came to what is something worth, because they've spent the time in that area. They understood and they were able to easily identify, okay, this is a Nissan Skyline. Like th- This is a very collectible, expensive, hard to find, rare. Like This car is worth a lot of money. So she goes back home and tells her dad that, and he says, just understand, the right person will know your worth and treat you accordingly because the junkyard didn't know what kind of car it was. The car dealership just saw an old used car, but the car collectors, the people at the club understood, man, this thing's rare. This thing has value. This thing is worth a lot. This thing is hard to find. This is a gem. I I, I cannot believe we're seeing this right now. They knew what to look for. There's going to be times in your journey when you're doing things And people that you're around don't know what to look for. Your boss does not know what to look for. Your clients, your customers, they don't know what to look for. There are things inside you right now that if you allow your journey and how you feel along the way to determine your worth, I feel this way, therefore it must be true. Again, episode one, thoughts, feelings, actions, results. I feel this way, therefore that must be the truth. I don't feel like I have enough potential. I don't feel like I can make that happen. I don't feel like I could ever be a world-class fill-in-the-blank. Your journey does not determine your worth. How you feel in the moment, doing the stupid thing, grinding your butt off day in and day out, working hard, doing things just to pay bills, just to get from point A to point B while you're working on your dream at night. It does not determine your worth. Last story and I'm done. Stephen King, the person who writes novels and they produced many, many, many movies 
Um, I believe he's actually the the one who wrote the book It. I know his first major book that became a hit was Carrie. I know he, he's written a lot of books that became movies, which as an author, if you write a book and it becomes a movie, like not only did the book sell people of that concept, but it also made it on the big screen. Like you've probably done a really, really, really good job at writing and crafting that story. But at one point, Stephen King was a factory worker. He was a factory worker. He just, he went to work, worked, let's say, you know, I don't know the hours. Let's say he worked six to two and then he would come home. And at night he was writing Carrie at night. He was doing what we now know him for. And, and, and can you picture someone like Stephen King? He's worth somewhere between that uh, 400 and 500 million dollars. So he's, you know, he's worth close to, or right at half a billion dollars, like B billion, half a billion dollars. But at one point he worked in a factory and I bet you the person across from him just knew that Stephen King, yeah, Steve's got a hobby. I, I think he, he mentioned something about writing. I, I don't know, man. You know, he's always going to be here like us. You know, it's just Steve. He's got these crazy dreams and he knows he's going to be here five, six days a week, six to two, you know, same stuff, different day. Like we, it's just Steve. He's a dreamer. Leave him alone. Whatever. Yeah. Steve, how's your book going, man? Yeah. How's Steve knew his worth. He understood. I, I, I really, I believe that I could be something more than where I'm at. I believe that if I'm willing to put work and I, I think I've got a gift and I've got to be the one to nurture it. It's not going to be the people in the subway that nurture it. It's not going to be the guy at the junkyard or the person at the used car lot that's going to nurture that gift. It's not going to be the person that is from the outside looking and it's not going to be my customers, not going to be my boss. It might not even be my spouse, but it has to be me. I've got to know along the journey that I'm worth more than where I'm at. And he continues to write day after day after day. And actually he threw away one of his manuscripts to carry. His wife pulled it out of the trash, read it. And she's like, Stephen, like you've like this, this is great. I, I believe that pe- like people would buy this. This is phenomenal. You, you've got to publish this. He published the book. And then he wrote another book, published that one, wrote another book, published that one. One day he realized, you know what? I'm making more money by this part-time thing that I'm doing at night, writing books. I'm making more money with that than I am working at a factory because he had a talent. He had a gift. He was willing to nurture it. And he did not let the fact that he worked in a factory during the day while he was chasing his dream. He didn't let the fact that he had a full-time job and he was working on his dream part-time at nights, evenings and weekends. He did not let that hinder his dreaming ability, his potential that he knew was there, his gifts, his callings, the burn inside him to have, do, and be more. He didn't let it be hindered by the fact that his journey at that moment would say you're only worth this much, whatever he was making per hour. He understood that I've got to know my worth on the journey. And it's not what other people think. It's what I think. It's the inherent value of what I'm doing, the gifts I possess, where I believe I can go, and the work ethic and the willingness to continue to try over and over and over and over again. And because of that, we now have people like Joshua Bell. Because of that, we now have a person that's worth half a billion dollars almost, who's written, I can't say how many best-selling books, whose, whose books have become produced in the movies, who was one day working at a factory. He was stuck on the subway, but the metropolitan potential of selling out $180 seats, if you will, the potential for him to sell millions of copies of books in how many different countries and have his books produced as movies, the potential for Joshua Bell to sell out arenas, to be world-class people understood that there was more inside him, but they knew the value because he had taken the journey. And if either one of those guys had stopped along the way, or if Joshua Bell had left the 30 minutes on the subway 
mess with his thinking and have him question, man, am I really worth what I thought? Am I really as good as these people that are paying $180 a seat a couple days from now? Am I really worth that? If they had let that mess with them in the process, we would not have the finished work of what they have today. So you've got to know your worth on the journey. Keep going and understand that if you see it, it does not matter if anyone else sees it for you. Know your worth. It does not matter what you have to do to get there. Know that the journey is the journey. What it will build inside you is something that no one can take from you. And there's a reason that you have to go through what you're going through, what you've went through, and what you will go through in the future because your journey is your journey. And the end result is that if you keep going, you will accomplish your goals and dreams.